I'm Noah Taluki. I am Dresden Dale. And I am Paul Ragler DeFranco. And you're listening to the Street Center Podcast. Let's go! And welcome in, folks, to the first edition of the 2022-23 school year of the Street Center Podcast. I am your host, Noah Taluki. And joining us again for season number six now of the Streak Center podcast is the same as last year, Dresden Dale and Paul Ragla DeFranco, both seniors here at John Carroll now. Guys, it has been way too long. I know we've been working really hard to try to get an episode out, try to consistently record this week to week, but uh, really, really glad to have you guys back. And uh, we got a loaded baked potato here uh, on this first edition of Streak Center for the year. It is good to be back here for season number two with Streak Center. And as you mentioned, Noah, me and Dresden are both seniors, but, you know, it's a scary thought to go out into the real world in, you know, less than a year. But I'm excited to see what this year has to offer. Oh, my. How the time has gone very fast here as we're seniors. I know, Noah, you've been around here for six years, so basically been here since John Carroll was founded at this point. Oh, but gosh. He was here before I was born, pretty much. No, 2017 uh, is this is my sixth year. Of course, my second year as a graduate assistant. I graduated in 2021 uh, from John Carroll. Worked all four years in the sports information office, but back again for year number two of being the graduate assistant in the sports information department. So uh, you know, continuing uh, what I love to do and what really, frankly, what we all love to do, Dresden and Paul as well. We just love talking about John Carroll sports, and uh, we'll also uh, later on in the program we will have. Um, Claire Hollern, Lauren Gummany, and Mackenzie Steese, uh, members of the women's soccer team, as our first guests of this 2022-23 Streak Center season. They were Claire and Lauren both on the podcast last year, so having them back for their second year, they felt like they were very comfortable. Obviously, their second time being on the show. Great interview. Make sure to stay along and listen to that. And we're going to start off, uh, guys, as I mentioned, we got a loaded baked potato. The first uh, the first bite, I guess, if you will, is uh, football. And this John Carroll football team, i got to tell you, a little different now. Uh, you know, so of course, since the last time we talked about football, uh, Coach Rick Finati deciding to retire in March. It was a little a little late in the search process, so they decided to have uh, interim head coach Drew Nystrom, who was the offensive coordinator. They promoted him to head coach, and the uh, the search for the head coach will open up at the end of the season. But right now, Coach Nystrom has his team cooking. They are three and one. A perfect three and zero in OAC play, and is, are coming off a big fifty nine nothing win over Wilmington uh, at Wilmington last Saturday, where they had thirty two first downs, three hundred seventy five yards on the ground, and six hundred forty one yards of total offense. The latter two are both top ten team performances in team history as well. This team has also only given up fourteen points in the last three games. This is their best three game stretch defensively since two thousand and sixteen. 24-7 against Heidelberg two weeks ago. Three weeks ago before that, they won their 10th straight game over Baldwin-Wallace in the Cuyahoga Gold Bowl by a score of 21-7. to After that 35-26 blemish against Washington and Jefferson in the non-conference match, the PAC match, uh, in Week 1 on uh, September 4th, this team has been absolutely lights out, killer defensively, and really, frankly, I mean, they are, in my opinion, opposing their will on these teams. I mean, these teams... Are, are basically they they seem like they're no match for for John Carroll at least at least uh, you know offensively uh, you know hold even they held Wilmington to less than 100 yards of total offense running and passing uh, combined but what a really really good start for the Blue Streaks uh, in this 100th season uh, officially here at, at John Carroll uh, for for John Carroll football 
Yeah, Noah, you mentioned they have looked very strong these past three games. I think part, in fact, due to the schedule has been kind of weak for them, in my opinion. Bolton Wallace a little overrated, and the offense, no real threat. Heidelberg, again, a little overrated there as well. But those um, are the best teams they're going to va- face besides Mount uh, you know, at the end of the year. So Mount, maybe the OEC is just down a little bit Down this a little year. bit. That's exactly, yeah. I think, main point there. And also Wilmington, like Wilmington, we've beaten them even worse than 59 nothing before. So I would say, though, I like what I'm seeing of Joe Collins after that first game against Washington Jefferson. Really struggled. He's cleaned it up a little bit since then. Um, I do fear, though, once they go on and play Mount later this year, how that game will go. Uh, I really do think now, though, if they were to go back and replay that W&J game from Week 1, Washington-Jefferson, in Week 1, I think the outcome might be a little bit different than 26-35 loss. Um, might have been a little bit closer, or even maybe John Carroll would have gotten a win there. But Yeah, Dresden, I know you mentioned, obviously, the OAC is down this year, but I was on the sideline for that Heidelberg game. Shout out, by the way, to the fans for coming out and supporting the team. Great atmosphere. But I was on the sideline for that game, and the number one thing that stood out right from the start was the way John Carroll dominated both the offensive and defensive line. You're going to win a lot of games in this league if you can get the push and penetration that they were getting on both sides of the ball, and obviously their defense right now. I mean, I know they scored 59 points against Wilmington, but their defense is the soul of that team right now. And, I mean, it's really fun to see the way they're just completely pushing the opposing teams back. Let's see if they can continue to do it. Why by it? Brooker Teal along that defensive front already two sacks, five tackles for a loss. Also, Tyler Timmons, the breakout player so far for John Carroll this year, has a total of 30 tackles from his linebacker position, three and a half tackles for a loss, and a sack. And this secondary, Paul, is flying around making plays left and right. Defense playing great across all levels of the field. And what's key, I think, this year about the secondary especially is the way they've been tracking the ball, you know? They've been able to, you know, you've seen in years past, and it's one of the main criticisms of many defenses across um, football divisions is being able to turn your head around, locate the football in air. This defense has been doing a phenomenal job of tracking the footballs and you know coming up with some big turnovers. Four interceptions for this secondary so far this year. Yep. 11 pass breakups as well. Playing very well. Um, flip back to the offense side real quick, Paul. I want to mention Tadis Tatarunas has a touchdown in every game so far this year. He's got that side speed, speed combo that NFL tight ends have much success with. Think of your George Kittle, um, who can block in the run game and also get out in the pass game really quick. Uh, Tadis playing very well for this offense. And with Tadis, uh, you know, you mentioned him, Dresden, of course, a converted quarterback. He was a star quarterback at Menor High School, of course, the high school about 30, uh, 40 minutes from uh, from John Carroll here, home of Mitch Trubisky, among other many great quarterbacks that have succeeded at Division One level as well. And uh, he, he's he's basically Menor's all-time leading passer. And, uh, you know, so he, he was a highly recruited, you know, kind of guy out of Northeast Ohio, ended up going to Division Two Walsh University. Um, it didn't really work out at quarterback there. He he eventually transferred to John Carroll in the spring of 2021. Started out as a quarterback, but then made that transition to tight end last year. Caught a t- He had just under 200 yards receiving and a touchdown, but this year, like you mentioned, four touchdowns in four games. And he's really, really, it seems like coming into his own, He, I think he's even eligible next year as well. So if we, we, we could see him again uh, as well in the, in the future. But very impressive start there. And, and I know you guys mentioned about 
the defensive backfield. I think we got to give a lot of credit to new safeties coach uh, Mike Harris. Mike Harris came over uh, from the National Football League. He was with the uh, the Chicago Bears for a couple of years, and I believe he was with the Los Angeles Rams as well. Kind of like a, a low level assistant, but he still has that NFL experience. And I know he wants to try to work his way up in the coaching ranks. And it's really evident, especially how the defensive backfield is played. You can argue that this is the best defensive backfield the, the Blue Streaks have had since 2016 when they went to the national semifinals. That was with guys, All-Americans, like Mike Hollins and um, and Javon Doss and Scott Eilerman, among others, Reese Armstrong as well. Um, you know, they really have these guys cooking. And, and, and a big a big addition, Kiefer Askew, uh, four-time first-team all-conference player uh, at Hanover College, which is in Indiana. He's coming. He transferred here for a grad year. I went to uh, Houston County High School in Warner Robins, Georgia, same high school as Jake Fromm. So he was high school teammates with Jake Fromm, who is now quarterback in the NFL and also was with the George Bulldogs, uh, their starting quarterback as well. So football off to an amazing start, as I mentioned. And uh, Paul, you have some things to add as well. Yeah, before we move on, I want to give a huge shout-out to Brendan Few. Again, uh, I talked about that Heidelberg game. He had over 113 yards receiving. He's obviously QB number one for, pardon me, wide receiver number one for Joe Collins. He's a do-it-all guy. I mean, this guy, I'll talk about the secondary. John Carroll has a great job of tracking the ball in midair. You're just seeing this one back shoulder catch he made in that game. It was unbelievably amazing. So, shout out to Brendan Few. I think he's one of the best wide receivers in the OAC. He is the best receiver in the OAC. I've been saying that the past year now. He's awesome. <laughs> um, I will say, Paul, so like, Phil Few. He tracks the ball really well, route running very well. Almost like a shorter version of Marvin Harrison Jr. on Ohio State, your favorite football team. Oh my goodness, Marvin Harrison Jr. Who knows? I mean, if Ryan Day goes out and tries to get Brendan View, I will not be mad. I will not be mad at Works all. Works with yeah. Brian Hartline, that great receiving coach. I, hey, could happen. Well, he does have another year of eligibility, so we'll see if uh, you know he stays at John Carroll or uh, or goes somewhere else. But uh, he is, uh, you know, he already one of the top ten receivers in John Carroll history, nearing the 100 catch mark for his career. In only about I think 16 games is it uh, for at least uh, in games that he caught a pass. So uh, very impressive there from the senior few. Uh, but the Blue Streaks will probably have their uh, their biggest ta- uh, biggest test um, of the season until the Mount game. Uh, this this weekend on Saturday, October eighth, one thirty p.m. kickoff against the Marietta Pioneers at home at Don Shula Stadium. And folks, in in the hundredth season of John Carroll football, we are also celebrating the one hundredth game at Don Shula Stadium, the hundredth football game at Don Shula Stadium ever. That will be uh, in the Marietta game. They're also celebrating the nineteen nineties decade. So a lot of the fo- the former football players from the nineteen nineties, uh, well, sort of a golden decade for John Carroll athletics uh, and and football. In particular, a playoff appearance in 97, uh, split the OAC title in 94, 9-1 finish, one of the top defenses in the country in 1996. A lot of those uh, players will be at that game uh, on Saturday. So, like I said, Marietta, a big, big game. Uh, it's always, at least the last three of the last four years, have been very close games against uh, the Pioneers. And the Blue Streaks have never lost them. They are 33-0-1 all-time against the Pioneers, looking to win 34 games against the Pioneers on Saturday. 
We're moving on now to volleyball, and this this John Carroll volleyball team, I gotta say, has been very impressive so far this season. They are off to a 15 and four start. They had an 11 game winning streak that was snapped on Wednesday as they lost to Heidelberg by a score of three to two. And I gotta say, in that fifth set against Heidelberg, they battled. There is, and this is one thing I've learned about this team so far: there is no quit in this Blue Streak team. I mean, they were down by I, I believe six points at one point in that fifth set and just continued continued to um you know to to get within that lead of Heidelberg and they lost the fifth set 22-20 remember folks it only goes up to 15 so basically some of like you can treat it like overtime a little bit uh win by two so an, an impressive 22 to 20 I guess loss in the fifth set uh just being able to battle back if you will but um you know this this team I could tell this year, especially with the two fifth years, Cassie Calamuncy and Allie Bartolone, this team just does not seem afraid to play anyone. And, you know, they had a couple of setbacks, uh, an 0-2 start to begin the year at the Colorado College Tournament in Colorado Springs. I was fortunate enough to go with the team for that and just a, a beautiful, beautiful scene uh, over there in Colorado with the mountains and all that. But 0-2 start, but once they beat some of these teams, um, you know, like Lawrence University and Wisconsin Superior, who was actually a very decent team, once they beat them on that second day, it, that really seemed to spark their confidence. And their only loss after uh, during the uh, that stretch was uh, was a loss to Notre Dame College, and they are a Division two school right down the road from John Carroll uh, on Green Road. So uh, you know, you know, overall, tough drive out to Heidelberg, uh, tough loss, but a, a team that is, has been very confident this year, very playing very well defensively, and and like I said, led by Cassie and Allie, the fifth year seniors. Yeah, I mean, we could talk all day about Cassie. She leads the OAC in kills at two thirty five. But I want to give a little shout-out to an unsung hero on that team, Peyton Miazzi. She was injured the last couple of years. She has brought so much energy, so much passion to this team. I mean, you're not going to find a more passionate player in the entire OAC than her. She gets the team wild up, wild up no matter who they're playing. So, Dresden, shout-out to her. Yeah, Peyton playing very well this year. I want to talk a little bit about how well John Carroll as a team has played and put in perspective from some past historical seasons. This year, John Carroll has had nine matches where they have won three to nothing. Nine times. Okay, they didn't even win nine games in 2022. Excuse me, 2020. They won eight games in 2020. They only won six in all of 2017. They have nine where they've won three to zero. Also, they're already at 15 wins. They're 15 and four this season. Still, again, they also have nine games left in the season. They could potentially go over the 20-win mark for the first time in program history since 2014 when they went 23 and 7 7 and 2 in the OAC. This team is playing some of the best volleyball that we've seen at John Carroll since 2014 in essence. So, shout out to them and just for how well of a team how well coached they've been so far this season. Yeah, Michelle Benoit, you could obviously arguably say this is her best season at John Carroll, so I'm really looking forward to seeing what she does to finish off the West of the way. I, mean, I think it is because you got to remember too that Michelle Benoit um, was a very, was she had over 400 wins at Mount St. Joseph, um, which is a Division three school in Cincinnati, and it was a very very successful coach there, uh, you know. And then didn't find her groove as well at Wisconsin Parkside and Haverford, the two stops she made before John Carroll. But really, yes, it is this is her best start uh, to a season at John Carroll, and now her uh, seventh year. Uh, uh, with the uh, with the blue and gold, but uh, you know, really, really impressive stuff to see 
uh, from the Blue Streak Volleyball team, and, and even having um, you know some players that that have stepped up this year. You mentioned uh, Paul Peyton Miazzi, and uh, even like Steph Connolly. Um, you know, she's a sophomore. Uh, she's above six feet tall. Has looked more confident as as we've gone on with the season. Lexi McDonald playing very well at uh, the defensive specialist position, um, and uh, accumulating a lot of digs as well, which is which is a key defensive stat in volleyball. Even like Jess Liddell, who's who's playing very well in the middle, and I know uh, Jill Kellick. Uh, the native of Colorado Springs, uh, actually in, in Colorado, where uh, where John Carroll was at, uh, she's been battling uh, an elbow injury the last couple weeks, but she's another player that is a force to be reckoned with in the middle. Um, you know, when healthy for for John Carroll. So, uh, so the Blue Streaks will be back in action on Friday, October seventh at six p.m. as they head to their non-conference. Crosstown rival. It is Case Western Reserve. Always a strong team. The Spartans are uh, over there in the PAC. And then their next home match will be against a big one against Baldwin Wallace on Wednesday, October 12th at 7 p.m. at the DeCarlo Varsity Center. Anytime John Carroll plays Baldwin Wallace in any sport, it is really, really competitive. And I know this one will be as well because this is a Baldwin Wallace team that is probably on that same level as John Carroll. You know, having a, having a really good start to the season. You know, uh, both have about the same amount of talent as well. So really, really even, even teams. Uh, so. Really, really excited to see how how far this John Carroll volleyball team can go, and and, and really be one. Of, I think one of their goals is to be a top four seed in the OAC. You know, get get maybe that third or fourth spot, um, but they'll definitely have to uh, accumulate some more wins uh, down the road uh, after a two and one start in conference play. Both of those uh, conference wins were against uh, Marietta and Wilmington, both by scores of three to zero. We're going to move on now to men's soccer. Men's soccer off to a decent start as well. 7-3-1 and to begin the year. They, had, they are 2-0 and in the OAC with two key shutout victories over Wilmington and Heidelberg. The Wilmington match, that was really interesting last week because uh, they won that one 1-0, but it was on an own goal with less than 10 minutes to go in the match. And I'll tell you what, those Quakers, they looked devastated after that own goal because one of the defenders was trying to clear the ball out and he just cleared it at the wrong angle and it snuck in the bottom left-hand corner of the net, giving the Blue Streaks uh, you know, a 1-0 advantage. But, uh, you know, as always, John Carroll has is loaded with talent and they even have a couple of transfers this year. Guys like Steve Samuelson on the defensive end, Nick Felician, who scored a lot, Nick Felician right, from right down the street uh, at Notre Dame College. Division two transfer Stamp Samuelson was from Coastal Carolina, Division One transfer. They have a couple of transfers on this team, uh, you know, but lost a lot of key guys like Will Turretin and and uh, and Jared Ionero, Steve Shute, uh, you know, Connor Robinson, um, you know, at goalie. But uh, as always, they just seem to reload, not rebuild. And uh, you know, always as always with a very hard non-conference schedule. I mean, playing the likes of, you know, Calvin, number 10 team in the country, Denison, number 16, Ohio Wesleyan, who is who always has a good team. Carnegie Mellon, I mean, they lost that one with eight seconds left. They're the 18th team in the country. So I know Dan Mladenovic always, always likes to schedule these hard opponents to start just to kind of see where his team is at. But he knows very well that the OAC is where you know, it, it really matters to get into that NCAA tournament. Yeah, Dayon doesn't really care about the beginning of the season, right. the record, right? He's trying to build that team. So the end of the year, they're playing well because what you do at game two, three, four, that doesn't matter, right? It does. He's trying to build this team up so that they're playing well at the end of the year, playing good soccer at the end of October. And then once you get in November, get an OAC tournament. And then after that, take advantage of um, building up your team at the beginning of the season so that 
you're ready to go and make a run. Um, but yeah, again, they reloaded. They always do this. Dion is such a good recruiter and able to make the best out of whoever's given to him from a from a roster perspective. Yeah, and you know that scheduling such tough opponents in the beginning of the year, you're probably thinking, well, why would you do that? Facing tough opponents early on, you have no idea what it does to prepare you, especially in the OAC. Say you just go out there and schedule easy wins, then you're going to go into the rest of the OAC when the division starts to ramp up, and you're you know, going to go with the big head and everything go wrong. But being able to schedule an unbelievably talented college in Kenyon, Carnegie Mellon, um, Calvin, as you mentioned, Noah, being able to do that, it shows you not only where your team is, but it really prepares them for these tough matchups down the road. And it drives them, right? If they're just blowing people out at the beginning of the year, guys aren't going to... Th- they're thinking it's a cakewalk the rest of the season. Yep. You have lose some tough games, play some good teams. You're like, hey, here's the bar. We got to go hit that by the end of the year. And mm-hmm. they do it every year. They always make a run. So I love what Dan does. And, and I, he's really, in my opinion, the best head coach at John Carroll by a long shot. He builds these guys up not only for what they are on the field, but also off the field. Soccer, one of the best represented programs in the classroom and just as men of Carroll as well. Give Dan a few more years. And if they schedule you know, the likes of Carnegie Mellon, Kenyon College again in upcoming years, I guarantee that score is going to be a lot different than a two to one loss. That's for sure. I mean, I remember uh, you know Michael Edelman, who was a five year player for John Carroll and the winner of the Wenzel Award last year, uh, as for a dedicated student athlete. Uh, in the likes of Chris Wenzel, of course, our late boss in the sports information department. Um, you know, he's a volunteer assistant coach now, and I remember him telling me that they'd much rather take a loss to Calvin than a seven nothing win or something like that against a, a very weak opponent. So, uh, you know, he thinks that even even a loss against a very good team like like Calvin, um, you know, like I know they've played Messiah in the past as well, who's another top ten team in the country typically. Um, you know, they'd rather take those losses early on than beat a team seven nothing when you know the, like what can they learn from that game other than maybe getting guys experience, you know. <laughs> So, um, you know, that has uh, always been the soccer's mindset, and that is, in my opinion, why they've always been so successful, especially in the last uh, six or seven years or so. Blue Streaks will have a tough test against Marietta on Saturday, October 8th at 7 p.m. They'll have to make that two-and-a-half-hour trek down I-77 to go uh, to the Pioneers' uh, home stadium. And, uh, of course, Marietta. Kind of uh, in that upper echelon of OEC teams as well. They're always typically the team that's second or third, and, and have a very good coach in Joe Bergen, um, one of the one of the better coaches in the OEC, uh, very respected as well by Dayan Modenovic um, and company as well. And then Baldwin Wallace, Baldwin Wallace, who's nine and one as well. Uh, so that'll that'll be a stiff test at home. Uh, the next match on Wednesday, October twelfth at 7 p.m. So a couple of couple of tough ones uh, for the Blue Streaks, but this is the time when it matters, uh, is OAC play, and uh, Dan Mladenovic always gets his team ready uh, for those for those games, no question about it. We will have women's soccer players on later. Of course, Lauren Gummany, Claire Holland, and Mackenzie Steese, all seniors uh, on the team, uh, but we will talk a little bit about them. Uh, we won't talk about them as much. Uh, we will let them explain kind of how their season's been going, but um, just quickly mention uh, they're off to a 6-4-2 and two start. They've won their last four matches, and they're 2-0 and oh in OEC play. 2-1 wins over Wilmington and Heidelberg, and have had uh, some, some pretty good uh, pretty good offensive performances as well, uh, highlighted by a 6-1 to one victory over Teal back on September 14th, and uh, like 3-1 victory over Worcester, who's typically a good team. Even going to Penn State Barron, a team that they hadn't beaten since 2001, and winning that one 2-1. to one. So they've been able to put up some goals this year. And, and really, offensively, they've been led by freshman 
Emily Patterzik, who has 11 goals on the year, she has now broken the John Carroll freshman record for most goals scored in a season, breaking Julie Scafidi's record set in 2000, or excuse me, in 1997. Uh, she had 10, and Patterzik already, you know, even just with uh, in, in 12 matches, she scored uh, 11 goals. So very, very impressive there. The freshman from Twinsburg, uh, not too far from uh, kind of like the Akron area as well. Even Madison Rosado, she's the second leading scorer on the team uh, who missed all of last year, uh, most of last year at least, due to uh, an injury. But she's a sophomore forward and, um, you know, really compliments uh, Patterzik uh, well. You'll see one of them will get an assist to another. So if Patterzik scores, a lot of times it's Rosado. Rosado scores, Patterzik will, will give her the assist as well. But uh, it's it's been a good start overall uh, for for John Carroll, especially a team that has kind of struggled offensively the the last couple of years. Being able to get a, a player like Patterzik, um, who honestly could probably be the best goal scorer since Bailey Fisher, uh, who's the all time leading scorer in John Carroll history, class of twenty nineteen, uh, that that John Carroll has seen. Yeah, I think the key though for John Carroll the rest of the way through OAC play is one of the people that we're talked to later on, uh, Mackenzie Stees, right mm-hmm. in goal. So far. Um, Begin the season, she'll talk about it, go a little bit more in depth with it, but begin the season, limited by some injuries. Now, the past two games in the OAC play, really stepped up, played two full games back-to-back, and she's the leading goals against average for goalies in the OAC, and she stepped up. They need her the rest of the way in the OAC, Paul, if they want to make a run. Yeah, I mean, she had three saves against Heidelberg in that close 2-1 victory. But one of the reasons we brought on Lauren, Claire, and Mac was because that defense is the driving force of this team that year, or this year, only giving up one goal in the last few games, you know. So, looking forward. Defense wins championships, I already say it, and they've been huge for that team. It helps when you have your seniors, they're more defensive-minded. Exactly. Let the young young ones score some goals for you but yeah. the defense that's you have to be disciplined play defense and play it well so we're looking forward to see what they can put together to get coach Merrick some wins there uh the blue streaks are back in action and trying to extend their four game winning streak against Marietta on Saturday October 8th a 7 p.m. start at Don Shula Stadium right after the football game against Marietta and then they'll take on Baldwin Wallace they'll head to Berea and play them on Wednesday, October 12th at 7 p.m. as well. So a couple of uh, tough opponents as well. Uh, typically, they do well against Marietta. They they have a, a winning record by a large margin against the Pioneers. But Baldwin-Wallace, always uh, always a big test. And, of course, Ohio Northern, which is the, the game after Baldwin-Wallace, uh, they are always, always one of the best teams in the Ohio Athletic Conference as well. And, by the way, Patterzik, as we mentioned, has broken the freshman record. In case anyone out there is curious, the record for most goals scored in a single season is 17, set by Jill Comerford in the year 2000. So Patterzik is now six away from just tying the record, seven away from breaking it. So I think that is well within reach, especially you know with how many games they have left just in Ohio, you know, just in regular season play. And depending on how if they finish, they could get an extra game or two uh, in the OAC tournament. So there's definitely plenty of chances for Patterzik. So definitely be on the lookout this season uh, for Patterzik to possibly come within reach of that single season scoring record. as she is only just a freshman as well. A couple of other sports to wrap up with before we get to the interview with Mackenzie Steese, Claire Holland, and Lauren Gummany. The men's and women's cross-country teams in action this season. And as always, Kyle Basista going to very competitive meets with this team. Alex Phillip, again, the national champion in cross-country, back for his senior season. 
and he's running very, very well. Uh, he ran at Michigan State, the Spartan Invitational, uh, Division One race, so a lot of Division One and two runners there, and he placed second overall at that, only losing to a Grand Valley State runner, which is a Division Two school in Michigan on the west side of the state. And then Philip also ran very well at the Paul Short invite at Lehigh University in Pennsylvania. That is, uh, of course, a Division One race as well. He placed seventh at that. Uh, so very impressive there. And he actually, at that race, set a, a PR uh, just over 23 minutes uh, in the 8K. Uh, very impressive there, especially at a, at a hilly course. Uh, like I, I, he was telling me about how hilly it was over there, just because they're they're basically in the middle of the Pennsylvania Hills. So, uh, you know, uh, being able to conquer a steep challenge like that's impressive as well. How well Alex is start off. He was actually named to the USTFCCCA Division Three Male Athlete of the week for the fourth time of his career. Paul, it's safe to say Alex Phillip is him. Hey, I can't say it any better myself. He's just doing what he does is uh, is placing well at the in in really um you know showing showing that he it could he could is a, is a division 1 runner and I and I, that is where Alex will be he will be at a division 1 school uh, for his 5th year uh which will be in the 2023-24 season as well being able to get that extra covid year uh, like every athlete uh, has earned uh at least in that in that time uh but both men's and women's will be back in action on Saturday October 15th they'll get a week off here but they'll head to Oberlin for the interregional rumble uh, both men's and women's. Women's, speaking of them, they ran at the All Ohio, which was at Cedarville University, and uh, they they got fifth over there. And then they also had the, a pre nationals invite at Michigan State, and they placed seventh over there. Uh, that was back on October first as a team. But I think the reason Coach Kyle Basista wanted to go to this Spartan invite is because Michigan State's home cross country course is Forest Acres Golf Course, which is which is Michigan State's you know, home golf course. Uh, the public can golf there as well. But that is where the Division Three National Championships are this year. So I think Kyle Basista and crew have thought of this as sort of like a tune-up, to kind of get a feel for the course, not really, you know, looking, looking to, not really looking for like a, a team place, but mostly how individuals finish. And uh, I know Michigan State is very, very hilly over there at um, – at uh, Forest Acres, and uh, but soft ground as well. Any golf course, uh, you know, has that soft fairways, so it's 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 good on the legs uh, as well. But uh, you know, a lot of a lot of hills typically at, at those. But uh, like I mentioned, interregional rumble, and then the OAC championships will take place at Angus Moorhead Farm, which is which is the uh, Muskingum uh, Muskingum's home uh, cross country course on October 29th, a Saturday, uh, as well. So a lot a lot of, a lot at stake for cross country, going for back to back championships, both men's. And women's, and last but certainly not least, before we get to our interview, the men's and women's golf teams uh, in action. Uh, they've golfed, uh, and they've had a couple of rainouts uh, this year. Uh, they've had to golf on some Saturdays and Sundays uh, on weekends. But the fall season is not as important in the, when it comes to standings as the spring season. But you know, a little bit of the fall counts uh, to the overall standings uh, as well. But John Carroll having some having some good uh, on the men's side, uh, picking right off where they left off uh, last season, winning the OAC, going to national. Uh, but Zach Brinks a couple weeks ago was named OAC Golfer of the Week after shooting a 71 at Tannenhoff, which is where uh, Mount Union plays its home uh, home matches. And um, so impressive start uh, from from John Carroll. Jack Weimard is also back uh, on the team uh, and women's golf, uh, placing uh, a couple of a couple of golfers as well. A young team uh, again, uh, a lot of sophomores, uh, one junior only. Uh, that's Anna Shramko, who's a fellow um, John Carroll Sports Information 
student assistant as well. Coming up next, we have our interview with our women's soccer players, Mackenzie Steese, Lauren Gummany, and Claire Hollern, only on the Streak Center podcast. <laughs> Streak Center on jcusports.com. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at StreakCenterJCU to stay up to date on guests, episodes, and more. Now, let's get back to the show. And joining us now here on the Streak Center podcast are three of the seniors on the John Carroll women's soccer team. We have Warren Gummany, Claire Holland, and and Mackenzie Steese joining us. Uh, ladies, thank you so much here uh, for being the first guests of this 2022-23 school year uh, here on Streak Center. Thanks for having us. So, uh, you know, you guys are off to a 6-4-2 and start, 2-0 and in the OAC, big wins over Wilmington and Heidelberg the last two. You guys got to be feeling pretty good about this uh, start to the season, right? Yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's, it's exciting. Yeah, it's pretty exciting to have a good start um, in the OAC with 2-0. and um, We're always wanting to start strong in the conference, especially when we have um, Otterbein and Capital and ONU later in the season just going strong into those games. So. You know, and, and and you guys, as, you know, you three as seniors this year, um, you know, how, how has it been with you guys out there taking taking command uh, really this year and, and being those the, those leaders that everyone looks up to, especially with a lot of young youngsters on the team as well? Yeah, I think we're just trying to rebuild from last year, and our big mentality this year is to stay positive. So when things get hard, just to, like, to keep going, and we've noticed that a lot. We've been coming from behind in a lot of games to pull off some wins. So um, keeping the energy up and positivity high has been big for us. Yeah, and maybe like trying not to come from behind in the future games <laughs> is our next goal. <laughs> but it's good that we have a good response. You know, speaking of that energy, um, you know, I, I, I hear you guys before every game um, <laughs> going through the hallways uh, below in the basement of Don Shula Stadium with the streaks chant. Uh, you know, tell, <laughs> tell us a little bit more about, you know, you guys really shout streaks. And it's it's like this 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 uh, almost like a, um, re- a religious ritual in a sense of, of, of this going down the hall and, and shouting this. So what would take me through what exactly is it? And, um, you know, what was the uh, whole idea behind it? Because it's, it's really really unique too and can you demonstrate it too for people who don't oh, we know? have we have the star here too i feel like this is a good question for mac yeah um it all started um i came in freshman year and casey lindstrom um a yeah. junior on the team uh it was like usually she did the streak cheer and it was just um just to get us hype before the game and getting us just yeah getting our energy up and basically i just scream streak they scream what and then it just goes all the way down the hallway and up until we walk out to the other team. So, yeah, kind of just keeping our en- energy up for the game. Yeah, and if you haven't heard Max scream, um, it's it's very loud. So <laughs> it's a way to get us pumped. Yeah, up. <laughs> for sure. And um, I want I want to ask you about one player in particular. Um, you know, one of the youngsters I mentioned. You know, about a lot of youngsters on this team this year. But uh, Emily Patterzik. I mean. The, uh, the freshman forward, I mean, she has 11 goals already this season. She already broke uh, Julie Scafidi's record of uh, 10 goals uh, set in 1997. That's uh, most goals in a season for a freshman. So she, of course, has 11. She broke that against Heidelberg. Uh, you know, what has she added 
um, this year. I know you guys as freshmen kind of had Jacqueline Audino who took that role, Brittany Dufal in the past as well. But you know, what is what is it about her that that makes her such a special player uh, as a freshman, especially? Um, I think it's just her energy. She she doesn't give up on the on the ball, um, and and she's a team player. I, I love that she. Um, I love that whenever you ask her, she's so she's so humble about it. She's like, "Well, I've got my team behind me and stuff," and I think that that really um, materializes in, in the way she plays. Yeah, and I know. Like last year, we struggled a lot to to find the net, so it's been um, a fresh a breath there to to be getting these goals, and especially coming from a young player. I hope that continues for them and um, the upcoming seasons, especially from her. So. Yeah, she was a really great addition to the team this year. Um, as Claire said, we struggled last year to get the ball in the back of the net, but um, she really has stepped, sh- up. stepped up and showed us what she's made of. So, yeah. Yeah, and you guys thought I would forget, but I do actually want to hear that chant at some point before this is over. <laughs> but before that, talk to me about what your goals and aspirations are after after uh, soccer. Are you guys going to come back for another year, or are you going to go on and adventure the world well claire and i um actually (laughs) claire and i do a lot of things together (laughs) we uh we play soccer together we live together we are part of the same major and we're both going to be working um as auditors for deloitte and touche uh so so we're really excited for that opportunity however i will be in cleveland and she'll be in columbus so a little bit of separation there unfortunately sadly yeah, and I've been going back and forth um, on taking a fifth year or not. I'm still kind of undecided with that. Um, right now, I'm kind of looking at grad school, um, joining the police academy later on. But we'll yeah. see where that leads us. Criminology major, right, Mackenzie? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mac, this year, leading the OAC in save percentage, um, can you kind of talk about, I know you've had some injuries in your past. Can you talk about those injuries and how you've rebounded this year so strongly? Yeah, so um, in 2020, um, I was playing in a game against Heidelberg and tore my ACL. Um, I was playing softball and soccer in the same season. Uh, It really took a toll on my mental health. Um, I had two surgeries in the span of four months, um, and I worked extremely hard to get back in the field. Um, I tried getting back in the field my junior year, and then they told me I had a second surgery. Um, And I worked really hard during the spring, and the summer as well during goalie training and I uh, couldn't really practice during preseason which kind of was a setback and again took a toll on my mental health Um, those struggles were kind of hard but um, just with my team behind me and kept working me and finally got back in the field which I was really excited to play our first three games and had a little setback but now I'm back and it's exciting so yeah, Mac, real quick, going off that, you're a dual athlete. You mentioned you used to play softball, and that's the uh, the main softball broadcaster. I'm just curious, what are some similarities and uh, between soccer and softball? Um, I would say that we're very different, honestly. Um, there's just two different just two different teams, and everyone's different. But um, I guess just everyone's, like, energy and stuff, and everyone's, like, want to win and same mentality of wanting to win and, so, yeah, kind of just the winning mentality. We'll jump over to Claire. I know, so, again, leading the team this year in minutes, once again, you're always near the top, if not at the top, over your past um, three years, it seems like. How do you stay running around the f- soccer field that much in every game? Like, it seems incredible. I know, like, 
for perspective, she's played 12 games, 939 minutes already. That's, like, insane. <laughs> Talk about that. How do you do that? Um, staying mentally tough, and my team helps me out a lot. Um, you know, I try my best to work hard over the summer to come in in a decent amount of shape, and then, you know, the best way to improve your fitness is by actually playing. So having those opportuni opportunities to get those minutes um, definitely helps my stamina, for sure. So as a former soccer star, as I was, given I got cut from JV and varsity in high school, um, I always used to think, you know, speed, speed rules, you know, but I soon realized without solid ball control, you're not going to be able to do much. Tell me about that. Tell me about how big of an impact, you know, having quality ball control has as a team. Yeah. So, for example, I have like no speed, um, but <laughs> the technical abilities like help you, I guess, when you don't have the speed but we have a good mixture i think of it this year um everyone there's some people that bring the speed and there's a lot of technical players as well so i don't know having a good balance is is big yeah I, i'd say we have a good flow we've this year especially i think um we have a lot uh, of new people um on our like front line and they do a really good job of like moving the ball around and not forcing it um we'll like take it back sometimes and then pass it up and we have the speed on the sides a lot of times to, to get those through balls, but we also have the control in the middle to, to get the balls there. So, For people listening at home, what is a through ball? Like, I hear that term. Yeah. I know, like, so, I know, like FIFO, I play FIFO, but like, I don't really know what that means. Um, it's like a ball. It, so it's like a ball that goes like between two defenders. Um, so, for example, like I'm on the... I'm on an outside defender, so like if there's a ball that comes between my center defender and me, that's a through ball, and that is no good. You do not want a through ball. That begs the question: Who has the best ball control on the team, and also who's the fastest? Um, I would argue the fastest are Abby Smith and Emily. And Gums, she's really fast. Yeah, Gums is pretty fast. <laughs> I've got endurance, but I don't have the, the breakout speed those two have. Um, and, and as far as ball control goes, Claire here is really, really good. She always wins our um, our juggling contest. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the, our central players have a lot of good technical abilities. Mm -hmm. Meredith's in there, Allie Malenke. Um, Jules. Yeah, Jules is very technical. So. Oh, so is it like technical in the middle and then outside more speed? Is that like how yeah, it goes? That's yeah. like how, yeah, that's how it's kind of supposed to be. Kind of makes sense. You're, you're starting to catch on. There you go. <laughs> Dresden needs to stick to football, you know. Am I right? Got soccer, guys. We need, you know. But going back, um, you guys really are holding a lot of your um, teams to one goal a game. Tell me about that. I'm always of the mindset that defense wins championships. Do you guys agree, or are you offensive-minded? As three defensive players, we'd say yes. <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think when we go up, our mindset goes like almost a little too far to let's just defend and get the ball out. So we're trying to work on that a little, but um, we're a very defensive-minded team once we uh, have a lead or so, I think. Yeah, yeah. And I, I even think up top we act defensively. I mean, um, like we have like this mentality of when you lose the ball, you get back, you like, sprint back to get it. Um, so, yeah. I, I would say defense wins games. <laughs> yeah, you just mentioned it a bit there. How much does coach emphasize, rather than just clearing the ball, kicking it out of bounds, whatever, instead of actually maintaining control and then moving up the field, you know, as a collective group? I mean, he tries to, like, emphasize the not kicking it out. It's <laughs> But if you ever see us in the last 10 minutes of a close game, uh, it's, it's usually kicking it out. <laughs> yeah, but we've been working a lot on trying to 
slow the games down and build out of the back instead of just opting for those long balls over the top. And how do you guys like taking on a more, you know, advanced role? Obviously, you're all defensive players, but how do you like pushing the ball up the field and actually getting a chance to, you know, put some balls in the back of the net? It's a lot more fun when you score goals. Mm -hmm. Um, More celebrations, you know. (laughs) Yeah, it brings more energy to our team, and everyone's more positive about it. Um, As we've mentioned before, we've been coming behind and ended up winning, but um, it brings more energy to the team when we are up. Yeah. Sure. Mac, so I know last year, past couple of years, I've really watched Connor Robinson, the men's team. Mm-hmm. He communicates a lot with his defenders, the rest of the team. He's yelling, very vocal. Can you talk about the role of um, <laughs> leadership through um, the goalie? Like, how, how much are you communicating to the rest of the team? Yes, I'm a very big communicator in the back. Um, <laughs> as they mentioned, I'm my, I use my voice a lot, I'm very loud. Um, I definitely think talking to the defenders and talking to the rest of the team and them relaying the messages to the people up top is very important. Um, just to make sure that everyone's organized and we have to make sure that our backline's organized in order to defend correctly and just to stop the goals. And, yeah. So in practices and the occasions you guys do score goals, do you celebrate or practice your celebrations that you use? No, we usually no. just like sprint to to whoever scored the goal and hug. Oh, so you don't like go to like the corner post and like kick it down and I twirl. I think you get and... penalties for that. I, I don't do know. Do you? Maybe we'll start working on that. Yeah, I mean, we'll... <laughs> we got to do, you know, we got to do the one with the bowling and you yeah, drop like pins. That. that would be fun. Yeah. yeah, I expect big things out of you next game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll, I will tell coach to dedicate some time at the yeah. end of practice for that. <laughs> Speaking of practice, what are um, uh, or I guess as a team as a whole, what are your favorite team bonding activities that you guys do? Whether it's on the field or off. We do mini golf. Yeah. We're big fans of mini golf. Yeah. That's um, preseason. Yeah. Like yeah. Who wins? Or who won, I guess? Uh, who won? Obviously yeah, not. Your team won. Oh, oh, it's yeah. teams. Yeah, 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 we do it in teams. We have like different okay. teams this year during preseason just to like split up the freshmen and everyone to get to know each other. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. All the seniors have a team. It's kind of like um, how like sororities have like families. <laughs> That's kind of what we're doing here, but um, but it's it's cooler because it's soccer. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, so you said mini golf. Um, what else? What else do you guys do as a team? You know, like I assume you guys go out to team dinners, etc. How does that build the camaraderie? You know, with you guys. I mean, it's building friendships, right? Yeah. Aww. Yeah, it's like it's like you're just becoming closer through conversations that aren't soccer related. Um, it's nice to uh, what we always say is um, it, the best part of soccer is like meeting your friends um, and and like you know you have like what thirty new friends at the end of it. So um, so yeah, I, I think it's nice to have that time off to just talk about school or or life. Sometimes music or animals. <laughs> Oh, God, do I hate animals. Um, okay, so I didn't forget. Give me the chant, please. Okay, I'm not going to scream it as loud as I do, but it's like streaks. What? Streaks. What? <laughs> streaks, streaks. What, what? what? <laughs> and then that basically goes all down the hall, and I just repeat it. So. And then we have a let's roll streaks at the end. And we, like, hit hit the doors. Like, we, like, bang on things. We make as much noise as we can. 
um, just to get our energy up for the game. My God, if I heard that, I'd want to run through a brick wall. Yeah. yeah. And I'll tell you what, the football coaches I know who always work in their offices after practice, um, they're always, they always know when you guys are there oh, once yeah. they once they're they run supportive. through. They're very supportive. Oh, absolutely. They always right cheer, uh-huh. yeah. And that's, they talk about streaks, supporting streaks as well. You know, that's, that's one element of it um, as well. Uh, but Lauren, I want to get a little bit of update um, on how that show with your dad here at WJCU, <laughs> Old Rock, New Rock, is going. Of course, was this your second year doing it? It is. Okay. And uh, and how's that been? And have, have any of uh, your teammates here uh, been on the show or listened as well? They, they have. Uh, Claire often sends requests in. Oh, yeah. uh, and I know Claire and Mac have both uh, both said hi on air. But, but yeah, it's going really well. Um, last week we had a theme. We uh, played rock music from movies, TV shows, or um, that were tied to sports teams. So that was really exciting for us because we got a lot of callers. Um, but, but it's been going well. Did you play uh, Jungle for uh, for the the Bengals? Yeah, <laughs> we did, yeah, yeah. That one, too. Yeah, because that's, that's uh, one synonymous. I have to ask Down real quick, there. is that strictly rock or is it like oldie, like some Fleetwood Mac or some Bee Gees? Or... So that's, that's a great question. We actually play all sorts of rock. So um, my dad loves to, to say we play everything from... Um, from I'm, I'm blanking now. He plays everything from Asking Alexandria to... To Led Zeppelin, Led Zeppelin. Yeah, I mean, like okay, yeah. I, he has like something that he says specifically, but um, but yeah, we play everything from like you said, Fleetwood Mac, Led Zeppelin, um, Guns N' Roses to new bands like Papa Roach or uh, f- uh, Foo Fighters. They're kind of in the middle there. So now, are you guys taking a hiatus right now because you're in season, or are you guys still going? Oh, with absolutely the show? not. Okay. Tuesdays, Still going. <laughs> Tuesdays from eight to ten, we're we're on every every Tuesday. That's why people get up in the morning is to listen to you. You know, it's, oh, it's eight at to night. ten at night. Oh, yeah. that's at night. That's why they yeah. get up at night. Eight to yeah. ten p.m. on Tuesday nights. That's why they nights. stay up at night. <laughs> yes, yes, to listen. Of course, on WJCU, uh, the our John Carroll Campus Radio Station. Uh, as well, but um, you know, final question for you, ladies here. So uh, I just want to know. We mentioned about the six six four and two start one four straight. Um, you know, with this team right now, you know, what's the mentality like going forward uh, in these last remaining games? I mean, you know, Marietta, um, you know, Baldwin Wallace, Ohio Northern, you know, the Otter Bines, You know, those are those are some tough teams. Um, you know, in the down the stretch as well. The OAC is very competitive this year, so it's going to be a, a tough go-around. But I think with where we're at, we have a lot to grow on, and just our grit and work ethic is going to going to carry us. I know um, as we're all seniors, these are, these are our last few games, and a goal that we set for ourselves um, was trying to, trying to leave the program better than we found it. So we have our, our eyes set on... We made it to the OAC semifinals um, our freshman year, so we got our eyes set on the finals. <laughs> yeah. That was yeah. only a one nothing loss, I think, to ONU, right? It was. Yeah, it was like the last couple of right? yeah. yeah, it was tough. Yeah, it was tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think I I agree with Claire. It's it's the energy we have. Um, a lot of excitement with with Emily breaking the record um, and Maddie scoring some goals recently. Uh, we got a lot of excitement up top. Everyone's eager to score and to to contribute. Um, and and I think that we have like better better t- like moral toughness or mm-hmm. a mental mental toughness. toughness yeah. Sorry. Uh, yeah, we're moral too. I guess <laughs> we're not we're not unethical. <laughs> no, but mental toughness uh, for sure. We we've been responding really well to going down in games, and and I think that 
we have a lot of excitement going into into our next few games with the with the win streak we're on right now. Yeah, I definitely think our team chemistry and our team energy is gonna keep us winning eight, like winning games and everything. So I think that's kind of what our goals are. Hopefully, the uh, the streak chant as well uh, yeah. always gets you guys energized uh, as it well. Always does. <laughs> but Warren Gummy, Claire Holland, and Mackenzie Steese, uh, thank you again, ladies, for joining us here on uh, the first edition of Streak Center for 2022-23. Thank you so much. You're listening to Streak Center on jcusports.com. For the latest news on all things JCU Sports, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at JCU Sports or visit jcusports.com. Now, let's get back to the show. And what a great interview we had with three of our seniors on the John Carroll women's soccer team uh, off to a 6-4-2 and two start, and uh, of course, and uh, wishing them all the best of luck throughout the rest of the season, and a uh, really great interview. You can just tell how much energy that they have, and uh, how it's spurred out, of course, so in part for, part of that uh, streaks chant as well that Mackenzie, uh, Mackenzie demonstrated for us uh, earlier in the interview, but uh, a lot of energy, like I said, and uh, we wish them all the best of luck the rest of the season. But quickly wanted to wrap up before we end the program. A couple weeks ago was the uh, over homecoming weekend was the uh, the Hall of Fame dinner for the 2022 John Carroll Athletic Hall of Fame class. This year, Jim Mitchell, class of 1990, Matt Nortz, class of 93, Joey Bigler, class of 97, Amanda Shannon, class of 08, Corey Schantz, class of 2012, Brittany Daniloff, also class of 2012, uh, Hector Marinero, of course, the men's soccer coach from 2006 to 2021, and the 2020, uh, 2002 football team were all inducted into the Hall of Fame. Jim Mitchell played football. Uh, he was on the 1989 team, uh, the one that's also in the Hall of Fame. Matt Nortz was cross-country and track. Joey Bigler, men's basketball. Amanda Shannon is the first women's golfer inducted into the Hall of Fame. Corey Schantz, a vital part of those late 2000s, early 2010s men's basketball teams. Brittany Daniloff, probably the best pitcher in John Carroll softball history. And, of course, Hector Marinero, the all-time winningest coach in men's soccer history. All very deserving candidates. And a lot of them gave very, very touching speeches and, and really learning about their past. And it was, you know, just, just from my perspective, being able to uh, go to that event for the first time ever, um, being able to just hear their stories and, and, and really meet a lot of the men and, men and women of Carroll. And that really makes John Carroll so special. And, uh, you know, athletics is, is, is in no small part. Um, you know, a huge part of of John Carroll and, and the university in, in itself. And I know that's something that Chris Wenzler, our late boss in sports information, you know, he really prided himself on 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 the Hall of Fame dinner and really organizing it as a, as a very great event. Um, you know, that all alumni and inductees and their families could appreciate. So uh, you know, his legacy lives on. And Jamie Daly, um, you know, one of our own in sports information, who is now um, running at University of Cincinnati, uh, doing his sixth and final year there. Um, getting a master's in um, sports administration. He was honored as the second annual Wensler Award winner given to a senior student athlete from the the, the season before. Um, that really exemplifies what, what Chris was all about. And he you know he was all about that um, you know treating people with respect, doing things with love and uh, and joy. 
And, uh, and that's Jamie is someone that really exemplifies that on and off uh, the field. So um, really, really good that Jamie was able to uh, earn that award uh, as, as well as all the other Hall of Famers, you know, the Hall of Famers that were inducted. And we will see Jamie Daly in the Hall of Fame one day. He will be, you know, multiple time All-American, uh, hopefully in just uh, the 10 years that he's eligible. Uh, you know, of course, you need to wait 10 years before you're inducted. So hopefully the early 2030s is when we see Jamie into the John Carroll Athletic Hall of Fame. But guys, it was awesome being back finally. I know it's I know it's been uh, you know way too long. I think, but you know finally able to work this in our schedules, and we are going to try you know and record every week if possible, and get and get you guys the guests and, and and get this fantastic content out in season number six here of Streak Center. Yeah, I mean I think this was a great first episode. Like I said in the beginning, I'm looking forward to a uh, another great year. And if you're listening to this and you want to be a guest on our show. You know, you don't have to be a student athlete, but if you are connected with John Carroll in some way, feel free to give Noah, Dresden, or I, you know, a, a text, email, whatever it is, and we will be more than happy to have you on the podcast. Go ahead and follow us on Twitter at Streak Center JCU. Feel free to DM us there. I think Paul and I have been talking. We kind of want to get some segments in the show, maybe try and spice things up a little bit more and see if we can get some better content out there for you all at home. And all and as always, follow John Carroll Sports on Twitter at JCU Sports and also the website jcusports.com. Live stream every single John Carroll home event uh, and live stats and, and and all the latest news and anything John Carroll related. JCUSports.com. Thank you again, folks, for tuning in to this first edition of Streak Center for 2022-23, and we'll see you next week only on the Streak Center podcast. <laughs>